On the second day of my first management gig as a nurse manager of an ICU, I noticed that staff nurses seldom took breaks, bathroom or meal. Surprised that this would be the reason for my first impromptu staff meeting, I was astounded to learn about the resulting high incidence of bladder infections. We are smart people. We can figure out how to design workflow so everyone gets breaks. So, 1987, my first awareness of burnout. No breaks, ill health, and stress all lead to burnout. Today, in COVID world, the epidemic of burnout among healthcare workers appears in high relief. It's not new, but it's in the headlines. I met today's guest, Dr. Robin Tiger, through Kelly Freeman and Alex Branch at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I met Kelly because of my interest in the science of healthy habit formation and the reduction of burnout among clinicians and family caregivers. Robin Tiger, MD, is on a mission to empower physicians with self-care tools backed by science and research. With physician burnout on the rise, Robin knows firsthand what it's like to love your job while coping with stress, anxiety, imbalance, and even illness. Robin, Dr. Tiger, is the lead faculty and subject matter expert in stress management for the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Robin is currently editing and creating the new board review materials for the 2023 certification exam. We started our conversation by learning about Robin's journey to lifestyle medicine. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. So my medical profession is diagnostic radiology. I'm a board certified fellowship trained diagnostic radiologist and went into medicine starry-eyed like most of us as healthcare professionals. And I still think it's an amazing field to be in, but to be honest about maybe about 10 years in or so, I became what is known as a complex case. And I know you're a healthcare professional as well. And we know that being complex cases aren't something we want to be ourselves. We love to figure them out because our brains love to figure them out. But I had lots of things going on that no one could understand. And they seemed very disconnected. And there were symptoms such as migraine headaches with this intractable vomiting. I had vertigo and tinnitus and bleeding gums, reflux. My whole body hurt, like everything hurt, like I couldn't move. I describe it as feeling like a tin man from the Wizard of Oz, just, oh, just couldn't move. And I had a very scary symptom 
which were intermittent paresthesias. So for the non-healthcare professionals listening, that's numbness and pain that would occur intermittently every so often in my hands and my feet and the left side of my back. And that would happen when I'm driving my car and I can't feel the steering wheel, or I would be cutting up vegetables for salad and I lose sensation of the knife, or I'd be doing a breast biopsy and I couldn't feel the biopsy gun in my hand. So that's all the physical stuff that was going on. And then, of course, there was the stress, the anxiety, the lack of sleep, the exhaustion, and all the mental stuff that was happening in my brain, which got really dark and scary and made me wonder if I wanted to even be here anymore. So that's my complex case in a package. And I saw lots of docs and they gave me lots of pills. We say pill for an ill, right? So I had a pill for every symptom. Every doctor I went to gave me a pill. Lots of imaging studies because I'm a radiologist and everything was negative. And I wasn't getting better. I was seeing a psychologist. I was working on you know, my mental health, but that wasn't getting any better either. And at this time, Danny, I had three physician colleagues who had died from suicide. And nobody was talking about this stuff. I thought I was all alone. I was really scared. And I said, oh my gosh, I've got this husband who's amazing. I've got these great little kids and I am heading down the path of my colleagues. What am I going to do? These pills aren't working. Therapist isn't helping. I'm just, I'm circling the drain. And it was then that I just decided I needed to try and figure out what was going on for myself. And that was what I did. I started to look outside Western medicine. And that was when I began to recognize what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So before this, I had not heard Mm -hmm. of lifestyle medicine. Mm -hmm. I'm a user of chiropractic, of acupuncture, Mm -hmm. of massage. They're all part of my practice, stress reduction, but not never as a coherent, that's not the right word. You know what I mean? The all together in a, in a practice, mm-hmm. in a field. Is it relatively new? No, it was actually relatively new. Yes. As an actual organization, it started in 2004. Okay. Interest in lifestyle medicine actually started way before that. And when I found them, I found my people. It's like, wow, these people get me. I'm actually doing everything that they're recommending. Going back to my story, when I realized what was going on and I was able to help myself, it was actually my ability to relieve all the symptoms I described to you Mm -hmm. by relieving my stress. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that in a bit, Mm -hmm. but that is one of the six pillars of lifestyle medicine. The other five pillars, um, the focus the other six, the six pillars, one of which is stress management are nutrition, which is a whole food Mm. plant-based diet, getting restorative sleep, fitness, having really wonderful, supportive relationships, and abstaining from damaging substances as much as possible, over-drinking, tobacco, drugs, things like that. And so to go backwards in my life, To answer your earlier question, I'm going to take you back to anatomy lab in first year medical school. Okay. (laughs) So here I am (laughs) over my cadaver. Mm -hmm. 
and I felt a sharp pain in my finger. And I look down and my glove is sliced open and there's a scratch on my skin. And I realize that my glove was cut by the plaque in the aorta of my cadaver. Wow. And I'm like, what is that? What the heck am I looking at? What's going on here? And I came to understand that was atherosclerotic plaque. And that was formed by what we put in our bodies most of the time. Sometimes there are familial diseases that people have, but most of the time that plaque buildup is by what we put in our mouth and the stress that causes Mm -hmm. all this increased fats and sugars and things to be mobilized in our bodies. And so my first aha moment was cutting my glove anatomy lab in my cadaver Mm -hmm. and seeing how narrow that aorta, that major artery in our Mm -hmm. body became and recognizing that blood couldn't get to where it needed to get to when that plaque was blocking it. Right. And it wasn't soft. It was hard. It was hard. And it was, this is a cadaver. So we know there's different kinds of plaque and the soft plaque and the hard plaque and different things like that. But just the fact that I had this Mm -hmm. realization that there was plaque Mm -hmm. and this is what it was. Mm -hmm. And it cut my glove and scratched my finger. And this is inside our bodies when we don't eat properly. Yeah. So that was my first. Interesting. Huh. just so happens today is I have a son who passed away quite a while ago, 16, 17 years ago, and today's his birthday. Mm. And when I went to um, a grief counselor when he was dying, the grief counselor I eventually settled on spent the first 10 minutes of the hour um Tell me about your sleep, your nutrition, your exercise, your relationships. And just like you said, so he clearly had that in mind. Then he said, when I got to the stress, he was like, so grief is stress. Grief is stress that you really, you can't manage. You you have to take care of all the rest so that, and take care of the manageable stress so that you have the energy to deal with this grief stress. And um, I fell in love with the guy. This is okay. This was the third grief counselor I went to. And and it was the third because the first two, we didn't hit it off. And but with this guy, I knew he was on to something. But again, I never like really thought about that as lifestyle medicine. But even though he was a social worker, he was clearly on to something that could be called lifestyle medicine. Interesting. Do you, so you experienced this yourself and now your practice is working with clinicians, if I'm understanding with clinicians who are going through this and you're working with them and helping them navigate, navigate is, so do I have that right? Am my assumptions right? Yeah. So after I experienced what I now understand to be extreme burnout and a Mm -hmm. severe case of chronic stress, I didn't need all those pills. Mental health care professionals are amazing, but that actually wasn't what I needed. I needed to learn how to balance my own physiology and work with Mm -hmm. my own thoughts, really, to relieve those symptoms that I was having. 
and then keep myself as healthy as possible, including those other pillars we talked mm-hmm. about. And having experienced it myself and having lost physician colleagues, I've made it really my life's work now to help other physicians do the same. And it's using these principles. Mm-hmm. Um, so using these principles is mm-hmm. a lot of habit formation, good habit formation. And it, it to me, it's it seems to, in my experience in healthcare, changing habits may be the most challenging thing that I feel like I've come across. When I'm somebody who, if it makes sense to me, I'm pretty good at developing habits and sticking with them. But I don't, of course, I have my own challenges, but I find that that's a challenge for many people. So how do you see that and approach that, that business of, it's one thing to intellectually get that maybe this helper that I'm going to is advising me about something. It's a whole nother thing to make it part of the life flow yeah, or workflow. Absolutely. I think, first of all, lifestyle medicine focuses on the cause of symptoms rather than the symptoms themselves, which is a very different way of looking at treating a whole person. Um, Working at the causal level helps to both prevent, treat, and reverse symptoms and disease. We're working at the other end of the spectrum. So right now we have a disease management system. Mm -hmm. We're managing most of the chronic diseases that are caused by our lifestyle choices, such as hypertension or high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, even obesity, and so on. So if we can go the other way, Mm -hmm. if we can prevent and actually reverse and treat based on the cause, we can really help people feel better, mm-hmm. live longer, and actually even decrease the huge cost of healthcare in our country. Because over 80% of chronic disease is preventable. And over 80% of the costs that our country pays for medical care is for these diseases. So to go back to your thing about habits and how do you form them and how do you get people to do that? Mm-hmm. This education piece is really important, particularly with my population of clients. I see education in three components. Okay. One is you should do this. Okay. Two is because. Mm-hmm. And three is here's how. Okay. Okay. And doctors are pretty methodical in thought. So I like to break things down. And so are a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. So we hear a lot of you should do this and you should do that and blah, blah, blah. You right. may or may not follow that. When you add the why, and the because, how totally because you are going to feel better, you mm-hmm. are going to prevent getting sick, you're going to reverse how you feel right now, you're going to live longer. Mm-hmm. And this is how, and then people experience it. Oh my gosh, I feel amazing. Mm-hmm. I haven't slept in 60 years. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. this is incredible. I feel so nourished. I feel like I, I don't even know. I'm clear, I'm focused. My kids think I'm cool again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I love my job again. Mm-hmm. My marriage is now saved. I get mm-hmm. up every day excited. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really those three components. And we hear mostly the should. Yeah. You should, you should. Right. But not so much because, the why, and 
here's how, right. and let people experience it. And so that has been over this last decade of my life of educating, the way that I have seen people form habits. They hear you with the should, mm-hmm. they listen closer when you tell them why, and then they really have deer in headlights, eyes open mm-hmm. when you let them experience it, and then they want more. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. I think you're right that should in a buck and a quarter will buy you a Pepsi. Um, <laughs> yeah. The um, or whatever. I don't know how much a Pepsi is these days. But no Pepsi. We're talking about lifestyle medicine here. So right, everyone right. listening, we're not recommending. You but I'm just soda. saying the the should by itself. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah sort of empty. But I'm hearing you about the why and the how. So your practice is focused on clinicians who are in need. Does it, a lot of what a lot of the worlds that I circulate in are they're clinicians and it's the, the patients, clinicians and family caregivers. Mm-hmm. And I can really see the burnout that's happening with the clinicians and with the family caregivers. So do you think that this lifestyle medicine practice is useful for caregivers as well? Absolutely. It's really how every single one of us, every human being should be living. We want to be the healthiest, happiest versions of ourselves. And we can't pour from empty cups. So if you're a caregiver Mm -hmm. and you don't have what to give, you can't help the people that you want to help. And if you're a clinician, it's the same thing. And you can teach your patients and you can teach the ones you love what you learn so they can be the happiest, healthiest versions of themselves. So the ripple effect is incredible. Now a word about our sponsor, Abridge. Use Abridge to record your doctor visit. Push the big pink button and record the conversation. Read the transcript or listen to clips when you get home. Check out the app at abridge.com. A-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com. Or download it on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Record your healthcare conversations. Let me know how it went. wanted to go to a a specialist how would they even know if there's anybody in their community how does do people access how do clinicians how does anybody access your services or not necessarily you anybody who's in the college of lifestyle medicine how would how would they access that yeah. So if they wanted to learn about more about me, they can go to stressfreemd.net and they can reach me through there. If they want to learn about lifestyle medicine, there is a plethora of information available on the lifestyle medicine website. It's www.lifestylemedicine.org. Let me get that right. Yeah. So it's okay. lifestylemedicine.org. And mm-hmm. there is so much information on that okay. website. And they can look up research, they can search for a clinician, they can find a doctor in their area Mm -hmm. that will help them. 
learn these six pillars and make these lifestyle changes. It's not so new that it's rare, but it's in terms of the spread of clinicians. Okay. No, there are over 6,000 members now. Oh, okay. And the, mem- and the members are, they're doctors, they're healthcare professionals that come in many forms. They're nurses, nurse practitioners, oh, okay. physical therapists, nutritionists. There are hospital administrators and social workers and psychologists. If I left you out, you are important. You are mm-hmm. there. There is a whole plethora of individuals, all mm-hmm. types that are actually part of this organization and yeah. even certified. Depending on who you're looking for, mm-hmm. you should be able to find someone. So people people need to want your services to find you. So in a way that's different maybe than you're being a radiologist. Radiologists, people like you get prescribed, you need a radiological exam, a test, whatever. But it seems like yours is that people, and I don't know if this is because it's, it's new to me. So that when I'm not generalizable to anything necessarily, but do you find that people, um, respond differently? Do, you know, men respond differently than women? Do older people respond differently than younger people? Or is it that there's this uh, three-legged stool that you're talking about and that it pretty much works the same for everybody? Yeah, I can't really generalize populations based on gender or age or anything like that. I think that if people recognize that they want help mm-hmm. and that you can help them, it's independent of yeah. what they look like or what their gender is or where they're coming from or how old they are. The beauty is that these principles are available to everyone mm-hmm. and they aren't hard. Mm-hmm. You just were never taught them. So it's not your fault. You just never knew. Yeah. Do you feel like um, when you look at your practice, do you feel like people get it, like drink the Kool-Aid, like relatively quickly, and then it's more of a matter of how, and that the the work is gets to how pretty quickly, or does it take quite a bit of time or effort or whatever to get to the how? I throw the how in pretty fast right? Because we need that how, we need that experience, that experiential. When I, wherever I'm presenting, wherever I'm lecturing, whatever I'm teaching, if it's my own practice, if it's at a hospital or an institution or at a big conference, I teach by experience. I want people to walk away feeling better Mm -hmm. and with actionable tools they can implement right away Mm -hmm. and teach others. And so going back to those three principles of education, there's the should, which is quick. Mm-hmm. And then there's the why, because doctors need their left brains to understand mm-hmm. the why. And I go into anatomy and physiology and research. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then we do the how. Yeah. And, and I do that with each thing that I teach. So that way it makes sense, feel it. It makes sense, feel it back and forth. Right. Um, and you feel better pretty quickly. Right. Because so it's really- iterative and that there's early wins mm-hmm. and then the early wins generate eagerness to take step six, seven, and eight 
Okay. So one last thing is that when I look at burnout of people, to me, there's the healthy habits, there's the individual part, and then there's the system that people are working in. And which the time crunch, the the misalignment of incentives, whatever. So how is it is this, you know, what my grief counselor was that there's stress you can manage right now, and then there's stress that is like harder to deal with? Is that like how you look at that balance between individual and system? issues related to burnout? I do believe, just like you said, that there are two main issues here with respect to our healthcare system and those who work in it. And one is the system itself, which truly is broken and needs a lot of overhauling. And there are people that are working on that right now. And that's not me. That's not right. my that's, that's not, not my wheelhouse. Thing. That's right. not my wheelhouse. I'm not making the rules and regulations. I know that in speaking right. with the chief of staff of our Surgeon General, that mm-hmm. there is a national agenda for physician well-being, and they are working on that. And I will mm-hmm. be at some of the meetings that are coming up. Mm-hmm. But that second piece is the human. Right. And that is where I am working right. very hard and very passionately okay. to help. Yeah. And so how can we be the healthiest, happiest versions of ourselves Mm -hmm. independent of this broken healthcare system? Yeah. That That makes sense. Is what I work on with my clients. What should we have talked about that we haven't? What should my goodness, you and I could talk for hours on this, can't we? (laughs) We could. Yeah, I would just say that, like I mentioned before, that if you've never heard of this, it's not your fault, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you have the innate ability to take control of your own health and your own happiness. You just need to learn how. Mm-hmm. The education is there. You can find so much of it on the Lifestyle Medicine website. Like I said, it's lifestylemedicine.org. I'd like to share that there's actually a global celebration of Lifestyle Medicine coming up this month in May when we're recording, May 29th to June 4th, and it's Lifestyle Medicine Week. And that's a global celebration of healthy behaviors where you can learn so much more about what we're talking about and the Mm -hmm. impact that the choices you make have on your health and chronic disease. And if you'd like to learn more about that website is lmweek.org. So it's www.lmweek.org and you'll find lots of information May 29th to June 4th. And then there's the annual Lifestyle Medicine Conference, which this year is in Orlando in November 13th to 16th. And that is lmconference.org. And I know that Danny will put all of these all of that in the show notes. In the Absolutely. Show notes. So if anyone wants to learn more, there's so right. much information that's free to you out there for you to enjoy. Excuse my. That's the siren to say, let's get it out. Let's <laughs> that's get the it out. There you go. It, it's, it good. it's good sound effects. Thank you. <laughs> that's right. right. I thought you did that on purpose. <laughs> oh, yes, I did. All right. I would, I would just also again say, if anyone has any questions for me, you can find me at www.stressfreemd.net, okay. and I'm happy to help you 
and Great. set up a free call and chat. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. I have a feeling we'll talk again. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. The day after recording this episode, I had the opportunity to introduce lifestyle medicine and the six pillars in another gig I have, using the six pillars as a categorization scheme and measurement. Small world. I need to spend more time focusing on the six pillars in other parts of my work. Healthful eating, physical activity, stress management, relationship building, sleep, and substance abuse cessation. I appreciate Robin's comment about the system and personal challenges related to burnout and her focus on her wheelhouse, the personal side. Deep-rooted problems can feel so intractable, overwhelming, and paralyzing. Understanding and appreciating the slice of solutions we can each handle feels critical. What a shame it would be to burn out addressing burnout. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Dot com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.